Welcome to the Seven Figure CEO Podcast. I have a super special guest with me on today, Chris Raffold. He's a sixth degree black belt in Taekwondo, owner of four personal best karate schools in Massachusetts, the executive director at Team Paul Mitchell Karate, and the creator of retention-based sparring. Chris, I'm so honored that you are on the podcast here with me today. Well, I'm going to say that uh, the feeling is mutual, my friend. I uh, <clears throat> I so admire what you do, uh, what you stand for, the professionalism with which you uh, conduct yourself. I think you're a bright light in our industry. So um, yeah, the, the pleasure is all mine. Awesome. I'm so pumped for this. We're going to talk a little history. We're going to talk a little marketing. We're going to talk next level. And I know you're going to drop some wisdom bombs on our listeners today. For people that have been living under a rock in the martial arts industry, can you tell us a little bit about the personal best karate school brand? When did you open these four locations? Sure. So I was... um, You know, I was somebody that, you know, probably like yourself, was able to turn a hobby into a career, started martial arts when I was 13 and uh, never looked back. Uh, I'm going to be 53 this this coming month. So, you know, a good long time in martial arts. I graduated with a degree in exercise physiology in uh, 1991 in May, and I opened the first personal best school in July. So two months after I graduated college. And uh, through college, I was teaching in my uh, parents' garage and, and, you know, doing private lessons like that. So it is the only, uh, you know, truly professional career that I've had as an adult and, uh, you know, just love every minute of it. That is amazing. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on college? I came from a family that you're going to college, you're graduating, you're Mm going to be doing that. You know, things have kind of shifted with the internet and Google and YouTube. Do you think if somebody is aspiring to become a martial arts school owner, do you think college is the route? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've listened carefully to both sides of it. And I think, I think there's some, I think there's some credibility to both arguments. Um, there are certain professions where obviously college is a, an absolute mandatory, but certainly in our industry, there's there's plenty of cases of people that are that are top in the industry that that didn't go the college route. And, you know, so I don't think there's anything, you know, particularly wrong about that. I just, um, you know, from my perspective, let's say a conservative perspective, if somebody is is in love with martial arts as I was, and they know that that's what they're going to do for the rest of their life. You know, you know, perhaps not doing it, you know, may very well be the right choice. I just feel like it it may limit somebody's options if there is a course correction. But, you know, to your point right now, I mean, you have colleges online, you have you have a level of learning that just, I mean, the internet wasn't around in 1991. <laughs> <laughs> right. It wasn't, you know, name, name, well, uh, you know, all of the, all of the companies that we, you and I use every day, they didn't exist before. So the landscape of, um, of education has changed. So part of it is, you know, what I languaged to my daughters, uh, one just graduated college, one's going to be going into college. And in awesome. really from that perspective, and both of them have been, they've grown up as dojo kids, but they're, 
they're looking to bring their talents elsewhere. So, you know, my, my thought to them was, you know, uh, it never hurts. Yeah. Great answer. I love it. So, you know, running one martial arts school is, is difficult. You've got four. Talk to me a little bit about, you know, what, what kind of programs do you offer at Personal Best and what's the role that you are currently playing in those four locations? Yeah. Um, so I think the, um, you know, everything, everybody talks about the importance of systems and uh, the book, The E-Myth that, you know, was written by Michael Gerber, I think really inspired a lot of, a lot of people that decided that they wanted to you know, replicate themselves in a martial arts school. And uh, I think systems is important. I think what's, what's equally important in a service-driven business like ours is, is um, uh, personality. I don't, I don't think we want to, I don't think we want to go so far to the service, uh, excuse me, to the system side that we don't give recognition to the personality. So I think to do multiple locations, I think there has to be a pretty solid um, way of developing and replicating yourself. If you have a good team, as you well know, um, you know there is there's there's a different role you have to play, but it doesn't necessarily need need to be more complex. Uh, that being said, when you have multiple locations and something goes wrong, well, now you can definitely uh, go into turbo chaos for sure. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, as far as my role right now, phenomenal team, phenomenal chemistry among the four schools. You know, we work out every week together, multiple times. We have business meetings where we're talking virtually every day. So it's really, you know, personal best is, has four classrooms. It really doesn't have four schools. Yeah. And that's that, that. that's that kind of feel that, that we have a very, very tight knit close organization. How often are you getting on the mat and jumping in and, and teaching classes? Uh, mm -hmm. Just personal question. I'm, I'm curious about it. Sure. Yeah. So right, uh, right now, um, of course, I'm a, I'm in a, karate uniform or something like that just about every day. Uh, I'm visible in the classes, but at the current place that I'm at, I'm not teaching on a day-to-day -day, uh, level. I'm working with my team. I'm training them and, and certainly doing all of that. But, and I guess to, to, to just talk about that for a moment, I think there's a level of balance Chris, and I don't know if, you know, if you'd agree with me or not. Sometimes I hear people talk, you know, particularly from the podium, right? Because we're, we're both speakers and, you know, I don't, I don't teach in my schools and I don't, I don't do that, at least for my personality. Right now, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not on the floor and I really don't feel I'm needed on the floor at this point. But that, that isn't something that necessarily has to be permanent. And at least for the way that I run my schools, I'm not sure I want it to be permanent. I like to be able to step back in and to tighten things up. Uh, I like to be able to step back in and, and give my instructors a, a break or, or just some synergy there. Um, you know, so I think there are good reasons to be able to do that. So I say that right now, um, um, my goal in, in life or, or, or to, 
for the business that I created is I never, I wasn't creating multiple locations, so I didn't have to teach. I work best when, when it's a want to be on the floor and not a have to be on the floor. Exactly. As long as I can keep that balance, then you know when I'm on the floor, it's for a specific purpose. It's for a specific reason. It's in support of my team as opposed to, oh, there's a crisis. Why is he on the floor? So I think if you go 100% the other way and then you jump on the floor and then you're on the floor, students are like, okay, something's wrong here because he's never on the floor. That's a great point. So uh, I don't know that it's uh, there's a hard, fast, 100% rule. I think some of it is personality dependent and, and what your goals and objectives are. What's your thought yeah. on that? Is that I your, completely your agree. Name? Yeah. I, uh, I want to teach because it's, it's something that I want to do, not because I'm, I'm feeling pulled that I have to do it. Having that choice um, is, is beautiful because we are teachers at heart. We wouldn't have opened up our martial arts school if we didn't thrive. When I am leading a, a, a class of students um, I mean, my, my heart just sings, but I know that I'm at a place in my life where I don't want to do that necessarily six hours a day, six days a week. So I, I love the option of, of having the choice. So I'm definitely on board with you there. And I love how you said you're on the mat there to support your team, um, which like you said, I think sometimes people can get on those podiums and, oh, I can't remember the last time I stepped foot into my school. Well, I hope your team has some form of support system if you're not going to be the one that's there to do that. So, yeah. So, I and I just I, I want to clarify that because sometimes I think people might walk away and they, they internally may feel a little bad, like, man, I, you know, I listen to that person speak and I don't even know how they do that. Uh, you know, more often than not, I find it's a temporary solution or that particular person is so out of touch or out of tune with the quality of what's happening that, you know, is it really performing at, you know, optimum efficiency? Uh, If I, you know, if I'm running an organization, but I wouldn't be proud to have you as my friend come in and see the operation, then to me, there's something wrong with that. And, and I have, you know, probably like yourself, I've, I have been in enough schools where, you know, geez, you know, this, this person that I admired so much, when I looked at the operation, there, there were more cracks than I anticipated. You know, and again, it, it's not a, I don't want it to sound like a criticism, because if that's their goal and their vision, God bless them, you know, but uh, uh, I just have, it, it works for me. And then the other thing too, is, is if I'm not on the floor, I, there's an internal guilt that I have because I need to be contributing to personal best. And what does that mean? I need to be writing blogs. I need to be working on curriculum. I need to be working on on marketing. I I don't want to just sit back and do nothing because I don't happen to be teaching the classes. And, And I find, well, it just doesn't, you know, that doesn't work for me. And also, too, I think if you went that path, you're going to be back on the floor quicker than you think, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, that feeling of contribution. I mean, it's it's like one of the six human needs. So yeah. I, well, I, I, 
yes, sir, uh, yes, ma'am. And you know, you and I were just at the super show. Um, and uh, on this particular trip, I didn't have my team with me, but whether I'm at the super show or, or another industry event, if, if I'm taking my time away from this organization, it's incumbent upon me to bring back information. So my team feels like, man, wow, thank you. I mean, we never would have had this had you not invested the time. And I also, if I'm the one staying and my team is going, uh, you know, they know I, I have that same level of expectation back to them. Yeah. 100%. Yes. So let's kind of, you know, rewind. I, I always ask this question on the podcast, um, but how were you guys affected by COVID, right? I mean, not just one school affected, four schools affected. You're also in more of a Northern state, which I'm in Florida, which has been dubbed the freedom state. So our experience of COVID was very different than a lot of other states. So how are you guys effective and, you know, affected? And if you had to kind of sum up your game plan of, you know, how you persevered through it, what was it? Yeah. So, you know, to answer that question, I I would like to shape a little context around it. First of all, uh, I may very well uh, have been outside of some of our friends that lost their business. I may have been one of those organizations that I know of that was hit the absolute hardest. So we lost 50% of our revenue. Um, It was, it was the, the most difficult period of time that, that our organization has gone through. And in September, we turned 31. Um, But also the context that I want to shape around it is it wasn't just COVID. Sometimes uh, there's there's probably been three times in the 30 years where I would say there's been a COVID-esque experience that we ha- have. And for me, it's not one thing that happens. It's a tsunami of things that just the timing all coincide. So so we had the COVID, uh, which which did a job on that. As our schools were closed, we had a couple long time team members, excellent, excellent team members that, you know, through the, through the good work that they did and the support that personal best gave them, they were, they were able to kind of parlay the money that they made into real estate. And, you know, we were looking at a couple of years, but then when COVID happened, you know, it, it made them say, you know what, I think maybe this is the time that we want to move. So, okay. So now we have COVID. Now we just lost uh, two longtime team members, you know, well-respected high contributors to our organization. And then uh, the other piece of it, uh, Chris, is we had a couple uh, people in the organization that I had invested a lot of time, I, a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy. And, uh, you know, I was overly optimistic they would come around. And unfortunately, what happened is, you know, they say, you know, about the bad apple spoiling the bunch, they hid out of my purview. They had done such a level of damage based on what I would consider just a complete lack of integrity that I had to get them out of our organization. So it was COVID. It was losing a couple super valuable long time players 
and then it was, you know, this situation that happened. So it was all three of those uh, and it created a very, very difficult situation for us. And to answer your question, what was my strategy? Because it was overwhelming and some of it was out of my purview, I just felt like, why is this person acting this way? Why is that? Like, I felt like I was fighting an invisible enemy for a while. Um, you know, my, my natural reaction is put my head down and paddle and work and work and work and work and hustle and do everything in my power, you know, that I know how to do. So I don't go deer in the headlights. I go, I go into like quantum, (laughs) you know, productivity mode, but, you know, in that particular situation, so much so that, you know, it just had a, it almost had a negative effect, you know, personally on me because it was just a, just an overwhelming feeling. Yeah. So it was, uh, I would not have the appreciation and the happiness, uh, the appreciation for the happiness that I have, if it wasn't for all those things coming together, but I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy and I don't want to go through it again. (laughs) I hear you on that. I, uh, when, when COVID happened, uh, my son Cruz was born two weeks right before kind of the world shut down. And, you know, you're, you're bringing this new human life into a very uh, scary, you know, world that we were all living. We didn't know how bad this was really going to be. And sure. I remember literally going into my office in the corner, sitting down and just letting it all out. You know, I think all of us, uh, in different capacities. And, you know, I, I think there's a, a really great lesson in, in what, uh, you know, the unfortunate thing that happened to you is what I have noticed, you know, now we're celebrating our 10th, 10 year anniversary at the martial arts school in September. Um, and I've, you know, working with the martial arts industry association, having grow pro, I've got 26 team members now. And the one thing that I think is important for any entrepreneur to know is that the people aspect of what we do, it's never a box. You just get to check off and say, oh, I don't ever have to worry about that again. It is an ongoing uh, you know, aspect of running a business. There are going to be times where we lose people that we think we're going to be with us forever, right? These rock stars. There are going to be times where people that you truly, you know, thought that you knew as a person are going to make decisions that aren't in line with who you thought they were going to be. Right. And, you know, I, I loved your answer of, I put my head down, I went to work, um, and you're still here. You still have those four schools. Um, I, yeah. I, I truly like to believe that the universe trades up. Um, you know, I keep reminding myself, like, Chris, the universe trades up. It's going to be okay. Absolutely. But I appreciate you sharing that with us. Not for sure. Uh, the other thing that I, I would share, too, you know, uh, when I said I put my head down and started paddling, it wasn't like put my head down in the sand, because as you well know, my responsibility was to communicate certainty, was to communicate calm, was to communicate, guys, this is going to pass. You know, let's just let's serve, let's serve our our students. Let's, you know, we'll get through this. So it's, you know, you can, you know, in our position, you can never forfeit that responsibility you have because that's what people depend on you for. 
And it's uh, so important. You know, the, the other thing just it reminded me as, as I was listening to you share, you know, that we had a lot of doctors. Uh, we, we have a lot of doctors in our organization. And, you know, I remember a few of them, boy, with the, with the certainty of, you know, you know, gravity, they were talking about how, you know, COVID is going, you know, it's like the bubonic plague and it's going to kill everybody and, and all of that. And they, you know, they shared those convictions with a loudspeaker, you know, and that's a good reminder for all of us, um, you know, and I, I'm not making a political statement here at all, but, you know, sometimes, sometimes we can all uh, be invested in what we think is accurate with the information we know, and it may very well not be the case. So, you know, keeping an open mind and keeping that level of calm. I love what you said, communicate certainty. Um, I think that is something that as leaders, we all must do for our team. Yeah. Let's, you know, shift gears a little bit here. Uh, personal best karate. If you had to say like, this is our unique selling position. This is how we position ourselves to be different, right? There's martial arts schools. I mean, I can literally chuck a rock and there's another Brazilian jiu-jitsu school right next door to me. Um, you know, it's not even just a traditional martial arts school. It's our same style. So, you know, what makes personal best what it is? Yeah. So uh, I have that same, I have that same reality, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, honestly, I think that's great. So Chris, what I think that we do, uh, what I'm, I'm very proud of what we do is the, the name personal best is not just a, it's not just a cutesy sort of, you know, catchy name of a karate school. It, it, it is, you know, just interwoven into the philosophy of what we do. We teach students from as young as four and my oldest student is, you know, almost 80 years old. Oh, wow. I think what our team is good at and what we pride ourselves on is we are expert at meeting a student where they are at and where they're at might mean autism, Asperger's, it might be social anxiety, it might be, uh, I just want to get in shape, it might mean two left feet, it might mean, you know, I don't know what it means, but we train uh, exhaustively on meeting somebody where they're at so that they, they're, they come into our experience and are like, you understand, you understand me, like mm. you get me, you get me. Um, maybe I was not, let's, let's leave martial arts out. Maybe I was, you know, I did tennis for the summer and I, I just, I didn't really feel that connection from the club that I was associated with or, or whatever, but you get me. And then I think we're very, very good at meeting them where they're at. And then in a way that allows them to feel comfortable, but also gives them the confidence to start to step their toe in that level of uncomfortability for growth, uh, to be able to do that and then excel. And I am not biased. Um, give me a four-year-old that, you know, has, uh, you know, self-control issues or give me a, you know, in sport karate, give me a world-class athlete. And in either one of those, I'm just as happy. I, I don't, 
one does not make me more happy than the other. Each one of them is a challenge because it's 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 all about them. It's it's our schools are very student centric, and I, I don't mean to knock. I, I talked about this at at the super show. I don't mean to knock how anybody runs their school, but I hold five world titles in karate and sport karate uh, when I was competing. Uh, you're not going to find a trophy or an accolade or an acknowledgement of that anywhere in our four schools. And I don't mean to demean anybody from feeling proud about their accomplishment, but our school is, our schools are student centric. They're not instructor centric. Um, and so I think when somebody comes into our culture, they're going to feel that. They're going to feel that perhaps more than they've ever felt it from any experience they've had. And when we meet them at that level and give them the confidence in themselves, it's amazing what they can do. I love it. I love the the term student centric. And I also love the examples of, of the trophies. You know, we work with lots of martial arts schools and, and we run their digital marketing for them. And very often school owners ask us to put their instructors accolades in the ads or, you know, use these pictures of us, you know, winning an MMA fight. And while, you know, we absolutely respect the hard work that it takes to accomplish that at the end of the day, the marketing's not about you. The marketing is about them. So, you know, definitely it's a, it's a, agree. It's a, it's a tough thing for people to understand. I mean, in this in this area, we have some world class, you know, MMA and Taekwondo athletes, and I'm fans of them. <laughs> like literally, I'm fans of them. I, you know, if they're on a pay per view event, I'm tuning in. Like, I, yep. holy moly, you know, to me, I put them above me. Like at what they do, you know, it's like wow. But again, it's, you know, what I admire and what excites me as a martial artist is a different language from running a business that is promising to provide a service to the student or to the family or to the client or, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's different. Yeah, for sure. So on the, on the kind of, you know, talk of marketing, this is the one of the number one questions that I get as a marketer, Chris, what offer should I use? So I truly believe, you know, whether you're doing free offers, paid offers, you can make them work. You've just got to figure out what works best for you and your team. But if you go into any of the martial arts Facebook group communities, you're going to see this question after scrolling, you know, a, a couple of scrolls down. What's the best offer that's working right now? So I always ask our guests, what yeah. offer do you typically push? What's your bread and butter offer? Yes. So I, I'm going to draw an analogy for a second. Um, Love it. What techniques do you allow uh, in, when you're doing stand-up martial arts in your martial arts school? What techniques do you allow and what techniques do you not allow? You know, and, and sometimes, you know, the internet, everybody will start you know, dropping their theories on that. Uh, listen, if, you know, can you, can you execute a, a 1080 and, and just be able to touch your partner like that? If you make connection, good, then you can throw a 1080. <laughs> I don't care. Um, so I think sometimes people 
get into the wrong discussion. So this mm. might this may go against you, Chris, and and if it does, I'd, I'd value your opinion. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's a free offer. I don't care if it's. I think it's people waste so much time because the reality is everything that I already said about when somebody comes into our culture, that does not change. It It just doesn't change. That's the most important thing to me. Um, we all know, Okay, if you say free, you're casting a huger net and you're going to have a lot more tire kickers. And if that's okay with you, then then do it. Uh, I think it's much more important what happens after the offer. So, but to answer your question, we do $79 and it includes three weeks of classes, a uniform and boxing gloves. There it is. And if somebody decides they want to continue after that, uh, it just rolls over into the regular program. Our, our regular basic program is 169. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. And, but there is no magic to $79. I don't care if, I don't care if it's 49, 69, 99, 129. I, you know, and, and people that study this, I'm, I'm open-minded enough, which is why you as an expert, I would value your opinion, but you know, outside of, you know, the attempt to create variety, maybe because somebody is getting, somebody is personally getting bored with their offer. I have not, I just don't, I don't invest any emotional intelligence there. No, yeah, I, uh, I, I agree. You know, it's uh, like I, I said before, I even asked, you can make them all work. What works best for you? I will say from, you know, the data that we've collected for whatever reason, you know, two for 29, four for 49, six for 69, five for 25, right? Those type of, I guess you would call it alliteration, seem to get more attention for people. But at the end of the day, does it convert, right? Like, can, are we going to be able to take this trial, prospect, lead, appointment, whatever you want to call it, and have the opportunity to change their life through our programs. And, you know, like you said, there is such a thing as offer fatigue, right? I mean, I always use the example of McDonald's, right? McDonald's sells burgers and fries. Um, I would say milkshakes, but their machine is always broken. So you can't even say milkshakes, but every month they have a different offer, right? January, it's the McSalad because everybody has New Year's resolutions. And then the next month it's the McFlurry and the McRib. Um, and I think that, you know, is important to consider disguising the repetition of your marketing. But if you have an offer that you know works, right, you're seeing success three weeks for 79, this is what it includes. Then what we just use is we use the seasons and the holidays to disguise it. And we're just going to call it something different, but the offer itself can can be the same. So um, I'm in agreement with you. It's the number one question I get. So I got to ask our guests. And, and also too, Chris, I'm open-minded enough because like what, what you said, uh, you know, there was a, you know, there's a, one of the, the gentlemen that I studied from Eben Pagan, uh, he, mm. he had a course called double your dating. And I, you know, I remember at his seminar, he, 
he talked about the the cadence of the words you know so i you know i'm smart enough to know i don't know it all and it seemed you kind of reminded me of that when you said the four for 49 the two for 29 so statistic if there is a statistic advantage to doing that i'm all ears but not being privy uh to those uh studies and in that world uh i just don't know so it it really it really hasn't been that you know for us um sure we just did a uh we just did you know and it's it's one of our biggest uh an open uh it was a family night kind of a family fun night closed down main street and and all of that and we had 27 people sign up for intros uh you know what you know for us is is amazing well you know right now we're approaching 19 new students okay cool and what was that offer you know just again because of that particular thing free <laughs> three weeks free but ultimately whether it's free or not if they come in and it's not congruent with everything that i said before they're just not gonna that's you know not gonna take so sometimes if you if you're in a rushed environment and you just you need to do lead capture super quick i mean that might be an exception to the rule um but yeah other than that not too much for us. Yeah. Even Pagan, uh, he was really like one of the first internet marketers on the scene. He was big into the dating industry, which is what you had just said. And then he kind of yep. shifted and, and went into productivity. The very first internet marketing course I ever took was by Even Pagan. It was called Wake Up Productive. And he awesome. is like old school internet marketer. So I just think that's so cool that, that you, you know who he is. Oh, yeah, yeah. I studied, I did, um, geez, probably a week and a half worth of seminars in total with him out in uh, Chicago. And, uh, you know, his work massively impacted me. It was very, very sharp thinker for sure. That's awesome. Yep. Let's go ahead and shift gears and, and let's talk about the future a little bit here. What do you see as the next level for yourself, for mm -hmm. personal best, for your team? What does that look like? Yeah, you know, we're still, <clears throat> we're probably three quarters of the way into our recovery from COVID. Okay. Um, so number one, um, everything that I went to at the Super Show, you know, for example, Chris was answering this question, how can I close the gap <laughs> on getting back to the pre-COVID numbers and beyond? Because, you know, for us, I've been in the industry it sounds like longer than you. So we went from an industry 30 years ago where there was a small group of people that knew how to run a martial arts school and, and there was no, and that, that information was locked tight. Now we're in information overload, right? Mm -hmm. So distraction, I think is a, a big enemy that we all have to be careful of because there's a lot of shiny objects out there. So number one, I will not deter from uh, getting our our active count, our, our gross, our net profit uh, back to where uh, we want it to be so that our, you know, our team members are, you know, highly paid and, you know, enjoying this as a career. So number one, I think that. Uh, number two, I think it's, um, you know, continuing to tweak what we do uh, to, continue to push that experience to be better and better 
and better because, uh, you know, Chris, if every month I send you, uh, you know, uh, uh, hey, Chris Rodriguez, I appreciate your friendship and I send you a pie every month. Well, that pie starts to get old, <laughs> you know, even as good as it tastes. You're like, okay, well, Chris, you know, um, so look, I'm, I don't want, I people. like key lime by the way, just okay, for nice. any of our listeners. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't want people to say I used to train with Chris or I used to train at personal best when it was good. I want them mm. to say, I used to train at personal best, but you should see what they're doing now, you know? So, uh, as a side, it's really product, powerful. Yes, ma'am. Uh, so I'm working on 2.0, you know, of personal best and what that's going to look like and, and how, how that experience is going to shift for our students, because there is a, there's a level of technology that's coming into our industry. That's it's there, but it's, you know, it's, it still needs some testing and tweaking and, and uh, you know, to really get that experience up to where I want it to be. Uh, I'm also um, writing, uh, I've written five books. They're not Harry Potter's, but they're, you know, similar, similar to the, the book you were kind enough to share with me that you, you just wrote. Um, you know, so, you know, that's another passion of mine as well. Uh, just expanding, being a continuing, always look at like, you have your family, you have your martial arts family, and then also too, you have your community that you serve, you know, so it's looking at how we can continue to do that and, um, you know, make an impact. And then, you know, of course, how we can expand it. Now, that expansion might be to other communities, or it might just be, you know, within the communities we serve. But that I think before I kind of make those type of commitments, I want to, I don't want to um, stray too far from that number one goal of just making sure we hit year end numbers and, and, you know, we're right where we need to be. I think one of the most uh, powerful skills that an entrepreneur can have is the ability to put blinders on. So I commend you for, for doing that. Um, you know, I saw you in Vegas a couple of weeks ago. I saw you in Orlando the week before because we were both there for the U.S. Open. Um, I had an opportunity to compete in the U.S. Open in the mid-90s. So I got started. We were talking before for the podcast in the Junior Institute of Taekwondo School. And I competed in a musical forms division uh, when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Um, and I ended up getting second place. It was the first kind of outside tournament. We always had in-house tournaments, but it was the first out, out, you know, outside of the school tournament I went to. I was elated. The trophy was bigger than me. Um, and I've gotten to reconnect with the team at the U.S. Open because GrowPro, we're actually the official marketing company for them. Really excited to uh, market for an entire year and make the 2023 U.S. Open bigger and better than it's ever been before. And you play a big role in the sport karate scene as the executive director of Team Paul Mitchell. Talk to me about, you know, what is that role and, and why you got four schools, you got a lot going on over here. Why did you decide to take this on? Yeah. So I, you know, uh, some of it is just the luck, luck and good fortune, but, uh, I was born in, uh, in, in Boston or suburbs of Boston. And it just so happens that, 
the sponsorship of Paul Mitchell started in New England. We, we, there was a, a regional team that kind of went defunct. And our, our co-founder, as it turned out by pure luck, Chris, had lived out in California for a number of years and had rented a space from John Paul to live in and started to train his children. And, and when the sponsorship went defunct, you know, the, the two people got together and they said, hey, okay, what are we going to do here? Does anybody know any other businesses? And, and Steve Babcock, our co-founder, said, well, you know, I know this guy out in California and he has a shampoo company and, you know, maybe. But when I got picked up, I was, I was the number one uh, sport fighter in the country. But that being said, it was good fortune that I was in New England because had I been in California, I don't know that I would have been selected. I mean, there's a lot of talented people out there, but you know, as a as a person that was in college, you know, I, I wasn't destitute or anything. But you know, to travel all around the country is uh, there's an expense to it. You know, so uh, thanks to his generosity. Um, you know, I was able to travel all over the world, you know, for many years as a, as a top, you know, national and international competitor. So when I retired in 2011, uh, I, I retired twice, but the final one was 2011. I was asked, you know, would you be willing now to, you know, take on this responsibility of leading the team? And, you know, it's my way of, um, first of all, it's a sport I love with people that I love. And it's a way of, you know, expressing my appreciation to John Paul for, uh, for all of those years that he supported my dream and my vision. And, you know, now we're, you know, uh, 2023, we'll be celebrating our 35th year. So we're the longest running team in sport karate history and the winningest team in sport karate history. And there's just such a pride of association with it. Um, and now, of course, having something else I'm, I'm certainly very proud of is, and I might have mentioned this to you, these two worlds that I lived in for 30 years, uh, you know, or almost nearly 30 years, 25 at the time, I think, uh, these two worlds never talked to each other. You had professional martial arts, and then you had sport karate. They never talked to each other. And I had lived entire lives in both of them. And I'm, I'm very proud of being able to bring these two worlds together and, have, you know, merge Century and Paul Mitchell and, and be able to introduce these wonderfully dedicated people that are passionate about martial arts to be able to introduce these two worlds to each other and have the collaboration of that. Like what you just mentioned, you know, you and uh, getting together with uh, Mike Sawyer and, and, you know, forging that relationship you're going to do a lot of good for that sport and um and i think there's a lot of good that sport karate can then do in turn for professional martial arts schools so it's uh it's something that i'm very proud of i feel like team paul mitchell in the relationship that that i would the real i was one of the few that had a foot in each so to be able okay. to birth that and see it grow and develop and now expand is, is really, it's exciting to me. Yeah. I had an opportunity to, to sit like front row, literally there, there was not a better seat unless you were in the judges seat um, at the night of the champions. And, you know, I'm, I'm uh, my Taekwondo days are long behind me and, you know, I'm 
pretty, you know, known for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And, and that's kind of the art. My school is a jiu-jitsu school. And also, at, not only with Night of the Champions, but in Vegas, got to see your team perform. And these, these, I mean, they're kids to me, right? I mean, you look at them and they're like kids. The uh, amount of athleticism and talent that it takes to be able to pull that off I mean, just every two seconds, my my jaw was dropping. So as your role in the executive director, are you choosing who gets to be on the team? Are you helping them with routines? What does that kind of look like? Sure. So Don Rodriguez and Steve Babcock are the co-founders of our team. And then um, there's uh, Damon Gilbert, who is the fighting coach. And right now there's uh, Jackson Rudolph. Uh, you know, Jackson, he is the uh, player development coach. So you know, we all work together to, you know, look at the landscape of sport karate and we, it's a pretty stringent uh, uh, approach that we take to evaluating talent and and trying to pick and select the people that we think will be good representatives of of, uh, uh, John Paul Mitchell systems and of course, century martial arts. so yeah, that's a that's a good amount of our time is is looking at the landscape, selecting and recruiting. It's it's developing our players. It's it's communicating with all of them because, like you said, they are kids. I mean, I'm I'm 53 years old. The you know you don't you don't do you know 1080s at 53. Or maybe there are some people that do. I don't. And never could. And uh, but you know, uh, as a professional athlete, you have needs and, the, you know, to the best of our ability, we try to take care of all of those things and provide an experience for our players that is like nothing that they would ever have the opportunity uh, to have, uh, you know, and we want to make, um, you know, we want to make this, our sponsors very proud. The, uh, the karate team actually is the team that launched the entire sports marketing division for Paul Mitchell, you know, he's been into skiing, skiing and uh, uh, car racing, and he sponsored Olympic athletes. And he, you know, he's got a, a lifetime of contribution, but it all, he had never done anything in sport until it was the karate team. So there's a, there's a level of pride with that as well. And, um, you know, if you talk to any of our athletes, it was, it was so nice to see the, the way that the, the general public, so to speak, interacted and for me, Chris, because I've seen them compete time and time and time again, it's just, it almost, I'm almost callous to it. But something like the Super Show or, or um, yeah, it, what I'm watching when they're performing is I'm watching your jaw. Yeah, the reaction right. of the crowd, right? I am because that's to me that's the juice of what it is is to be able to show that talent to somebody and and to have these kids walking by with shirts that say inspired by you Mm. know paul mitchell it's it's again it's paying it forward you you want to for me i want to show my gratitude and i also want to leave that team better than i found it and you know these 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 efforts and initiatives that I've taken to bring, you know, these worlds together is exciting. And then, 
you know, most people arrive at a, uh, a tournament and they compete and they leave. You know, we, we have another arm of Paul Mitchell where, you know, we're, go we're arriving in a city and we're going to, um, you know, visit the cancer wards uh, and we're performing for the kids there. And, you know, that has been an amazing experience. We've entertained the troops at uh, Walter Reed, uh, Bethesda Medical Center, actually. And, uh, you know, those type of experiences are just, I mean, those are lifelong memories our team members will have. And, and to be able to share talent in a way so that these people that are going through things that, you know, thank God, not, you know, we don't have to go through. If it gives them a little spark in their day, you know, it just, it's, it's a great way to keep your feet on the ground. I love it. So as you know, and this actually brings me into my, my next question. And as we wrap up the interview here, I knew I had to ask you this. You said something, you want to leave team Paul Mitchell a little bit better than, than when you found it, right? Every single interaction I've ever had with you has been overly pleasant. I truly believe you're one of those people that when you walk away from them, you feel like a better person, you know, kind soul, sweet soul, whatever you want to call it. Have you always been like this? Is this something that you learned from a mentor? Is, is this the culmination of years of martial arts? Because you just don't see that or feel that way very often in interactions that, that we have with people today. Can you talk no, on that? That's a, well, first of all, let me say thank you. That's a incredible compliment and, and to be, uh, to be true. I have to, you know, thank my mom for that. I'm a mama's boy. And, uh, Love it. my mom, God bless her. She's, um, you know, she's, she's 78 years old. I, I shouldn't say that. We'll she, edit it out. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll yeah. put a little beep. <laughs> Listen, she trains five days a week at five 30 in the morning in martial arts. She, she walks four miles every weekend. She still works full time and then wow. goes home, changes her clothes and comes to the karate studio. And is a courtesy, no way. you know, I just, uh, you know, in her level of her level of love for people is really, it's, it's quite inspiring. But so to your point, there are people that are, have been born, you know, they got the, they got the lottery ticket of charisma and they play that card, you know, really, really well. Um, I don't consider the fact that I got the lucky card with charisma. Um, I do believe that I love people and what juices me is leaving someone or something better than I found it. I love making people feel good, but from the standpoint of not like, Chris, I'm not going to, I'm not going to shower you with compliments that aren't deserving because it's just not authentic. Sure. Um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to speak the truth as, as I see it. Uh, but for me, it's, that's authentic to who I am. So that's what works for me. It might, you know, somebody with, that just is naturally charismatic with people, you know, they need to do it differently. This is the way that I do it just because that's, you know, that's, that's who I am. And that's kind of how I'm, uh, that's how I'm wired, you know, so to speak. And, uh, it juices me. The other thing too, and, and uh, I have found more and more and more martial artists say, I am too, but I'm an absolute introvert. I'm an introvert nerd. People are shocked at that because I, one, I have a very public job 
and uh, I speak and I, you know, I'm a teacher and all of that, but you know, this, I love the super show, but at the end of the super show, I need to go back to my hotel and recharge my batteries. Right? Like, Nobody, no noise, please. Oh my God. <laughs> I, it just, I start here at the, in the morning and I'm doing this throughout the course of the day. And it's not that I don't have a love. It's just, it, it, it zaps me. So, you know, everybody's different. And I think the best we can do is, is be authentic to who we are. And uh, I hope that's what you feel from me. And everybody has a different personality, but I think as long as they're authentic to who they are, hopefully it'll, you know, it will come across in the right way. Uh, and I'm, I feel fortunate that I have the confidence in my life to just not try to be somebody that I'm not, uh, because that, that to me is just exhausting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, so. it's, it definitely comes across as a hundred percent authentic. So thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Uh, last question here. Give it to me straight. Yeah. If you were to start all over again, you had to do, you know, and you had this opportunity to do one thing differently, what would it be? Yeah. Um, I think, so my, my quest in life is the concept of personal best. Uh, uh, in the end, you know, you might be 10 times as talented as me, but how you do compared to how I do is apples to orange. There's, it's not even worth the discussion. It's how do you do compared to how you could do with the abilities and the talents you were given? And then what is it that you do to grow those talents? Yeah. And the times in my life that I have I have felt internally lost. Not that anybody around me would have picked it up, but you know, when we sit at when we sit alone at night or whatever, we do that. There are times that I didn't control the narrative enough. Mm. And I listened to what people were saying about me. And instead of keeping true to my narrative and keeping that, that myopic focus on just being authentic to me and not caring, you know, quite honestly, as I look back at those times where internally out of people's purview, I felt lost. I lost my narrative, which mm. should be the only narrative I'm listening to that. And my trusted advisors who know me, and, you know, accept me for who I am and see the talent and potential in me, you know, so I would say to someone coming up or if I could do it all over again, and by the way, it's not like I'm at the top of the mountain and I've, I've matured and, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I'm immune to this, but I would say to someone control the narrative, can control the narrative and and, and keep an eye on who you are and the gifts that you have and, and what your purpose is and listen to those few trusted advisors who you feel aren't doing it to pump you up, but they, they got that view on you. They know. And, you know, politely and respectfully tune, tune those other people out because, you know, when you and I, we wake up every day with 100% energy. 
and if we allow the narrative of somebody else's insecurities or ego to steal 20 or 30% of our energy, we only, we only have the balance of that to give to everything else. So what I will continue to work on, you know, probably forever because it's, it's only a habit if you continue to do it is, uh, is do that. And uh, again, with the hindsight, that would be the advice I'd give. I love it. Super wise. You just dropped a bunch of what I like to call golden nuggets on our listeners. So thank you so much. Um, you know, typically these podcasts go for about 30 minutes, but I have so enjoyed our hour long conversation here. Just looking and, at the clock now. <laughs> hey, time flies when you're having fun, right? And uh, I, I completely agree with controlling the six inches between our ears, right? If we can control that, I truly believe the, the sky's the limit. So Chris, thank you so much. If you know, people wanted to learn more about what you do, whether that's about your schools, about Team Paul Mitchell, about the retention-based sparring, how can they, can maybe even about your books, is there a way that they can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. So on Facebook, it's Christopher Rappold. Uh, they're more than welcome to reach out to me there if they're interested in the retention-based sparring program. Uh, they can go to maya.com slash retention-based sparring. If they're interested in the book, certainly they can message me on Facebook. Um, Team Paul Mitchell, we actually have a Facebook page and our, and our website right now is actually just in its final stages and then it's going to be up again and we'll have a, a way to contact. But before we finish, I, you know, I sincerely want to thank you for everything, uh, Chris, that you do. We have a lot of, you know, it's, and it's just so nice to see. We have a lot of bright people in the industry, but, you know, the contribution that I've seen that you make, the, the help and the support that you've given my organization and the way that, the way that you walk around, the way that you carry yourself, the way that your team interacts and, and just to see the growth that I've seen in you from a distance, I just... You know, I want to thank you and I just want to encourage you to continue to do what you're doing because you're, you, you are on the rise, but you're not, you're not like a, you know, in 30 years, you see a lot of people come and go and there's a level of sustainability that I see in what you do and the approach that you take. So I am, uh, I just want to, I want to thank you for everything that you've done. And I just want to be that one more person to just encourage you to just keep on doing it, girl, because we need it. We need thank it. you so much. All right. This thank has you. been amazing. And thank you so much for your time, your energy, your wisdom, and sharing your story. I hope you have a great day. Hey, thank you.